Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 48 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei's Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, welcome back. How you doing today? I'm doing real well, man. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I'm hanging out. I'm back in the United States. So things are cool. Right on. Well, today, Dave, we are watching episode 48, the title of which I am not going to say yet, because it is, like, oh. you know how sometimes <laughs> the name of the episode is a huge spoiler? Like, uh, what, what was it back in the day with the, uh, with the Iron Mask? Oh, yeah, the title was just like, it's Ryu's father, no way, or something yeah. like that. I forget exactly what it was. Uh, but... Today is one of those, but since it's the end of the series, I thought it was a little bit bigger of a deal, so... Listeners, if you don't watch the show and you just listen to this, then I will tell you the name of the episode at the end. Otherwise, I guess you'll find out when you watch it. But it's another one of those huge spoilers. So, before we get into all of that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week, Matt, is that I'm back in the United States. Welcome home. Thank you. Beth and I just got back from our European vacation, uh, visiting mom and dad in Sweden. And all my stars this week are about this vacation, Matt. So just oh, warn I, you. I presumed as much, yeah. Yeah, all the stars this week, well, all my stars at least, are all going to be about this trip that we took because it was super fun. So first thing, European airports, at least the ones that I was in, are like a million times better than American airports. Okay, give me some details on this. Because okay. I, as you know, and some of our listeners know if they've remembered, uh, I spent some time in Europe, but mostly I was in like train stations and like bus stops. So what yeah. is the airport like? Okay, now to be fair, I there I only saw two airports, two European airports. So I ch- saw uh, Charles de Gaulle, which is the main airport in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the Copenhagen airport. And the Copenhagen Airport is literally won like international prizes for how like how nice it is to kind of work your way through the Copenhagen Airport. So you know, I did not I even know in, that that like, prize existed. <laughs> neither did I. So I just want to you know, I just want to say like I wasn't in like Slovenia or something. I don't know. Maybe Slovenia has very nice airports, but I was going to say like, let's don't... not necessarily throw shade on Slovenia. <laughs> Get at me, Slovenia. What you got? Uh, okay, so first thing, Charles de Gaulle Airport. Uh, it's in Paris, which is in France, which I assume most people know. First things first, it's beautiful. All right. It, like, it's super nice. The food, like the food's really good. Like it's still airport food, but like on our way back, we stopped in, and it was like, it was like the Panera of Paris. I don't remember what it was called, but I got very much the sense that, like, you know, this place is to Paris as Panera is to Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, this I, is not, a, like, a high-quality, 
boulangerie. I think I know exactly the spot that you stopped. And yeah, it's the sort of spot. Like, it's nice, but there, you know, it's a chain. Yeah, like, it's definitely a chain. And I just, we got, like, a sandwich and some other stuff. And, like, screw you, Paris. That sandwich was so good. It was better than, like, any fast food sandwich I've ever had in my life. And it was just at, like, the airport, like, side boulangerie. So, the food was great. They were beautiful. Airport employees were super polite. Security took, like, maybe 15 minutes to get through. Oh, wow. Maybe. Yeah. And this was not like, and I'm not talking like a like a short line. Like this was a long security line, and it still took maybe 15 minutes to get through. Like they just whip people through. This is in uh, Copenhagen. I didn't have to take my shoes off. They just put me through like a metal detector. They didn't take like a scan of my entire body. It was great. So, oh, and then in Charles de Gaulle, there's an art museum. Like there's an art museum. Just in the airport. Well, I mean, it's Paris, Dave. Right, but that's what I'm saying. There's just a beaut, and it's not like a like a dinky, like a little display. Because like Cleveland actually has, the Cleveland airport has like there's art on display, but this is like a legit, like a museum. It was like in an alcove off to the side with like a guide. Well, like it, it was crazy. So, anyways, I am glad, European Dave, that uh, you have finally, if only great. at the airport, got to sample some Parisian food. Yeah, I was a little. I would have loved to have kind of gotten that, but we just didn't have the time. So, anyways, Matt, European airports are great. <laughs> the worst. Okay, so this is what threw it in sharp relief, right? So, so Charles de Gaulle is beautiful. The flight back was great. It turns out, like, there was a row of three, but the third person who was supposed to be in Bethany's row didn't show up. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we just had, like, the row of three all to ourselves for the flight back from Paris. It was great. So the flight was really nice. They gave us, like, a meal and then a sandwich and snacks and drinks and all sorts of stuff. So that was awesome. We show up in Paris, or sorry, Pittsburgh. The Paris of Pennsylvania. The Paris of Pennsylvania. So we show up in Pittsburgh. It's immediately, like, the carpet is terrible. We're, like, back in, like, a basement somewhere. We're trying to go through customs. There are literally, like, two customs people on duty. There's, like, 11 booths that they could be in, two people working, and it took, like, an hour to get through this stupid customs line. And I was like, dude, if this was my, if I was flying in from Paris and this was my first exposure to America, I would just assume that every negative stereotype I had ever heard about Americans was completely true. Right. I would just turn around and get back on the plane. Right. I would just be like, oh, well, this is a country full of like rude boars and I'm going back to Paris where it's great. So anyways, I mean, which is a shame because I actually really like Pittsburgh, but that experience at the airport was terrible. Anyways, Matt. So European airports are great. What is our second star of the week? Okay, second star of the week is... So, back here on the home front, Dave, while you were away, uh, we recently, in Cleveland, hosted the first Republican National Convention. I don't know if you heard anything about it. There were some some funny goofs that I read, some good jokes and chuckles. Uh, People (laughs) were making fun of it. And uh, from what I understand, it was uh, an easily mockable event. But... That Here seems, is yeah. a thing that happened that day. So I work downtown, 
like, you know, like a half a mile away from wherever they were having the debate. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, traffic was pretty heavy downtown. There was some stuff going on when I was trying to wait for my bus to get home. And I look over the corner and I see this van drive up. It's like this big, uh, what's one step down from those big 15 passenger vans? Yeah, like uh, a big like, sort of... Like a cargo van? No, it had windows. Like, this was a passenger van, but, you know, that size. Okay, anyway, gotcha. A little rusted out. There's a guy sort of leaning out the driver's side window in an ill-fitting suit and sort of like this crazy gray shock of hair. Uh, you know, like weird thick glasses. Like, you can tell he tried to dress up, but he has no idea what he's supposed to look like. Behind the van, he is dragging a sign, and it's on a trailer that he has clearly made himself in his garage. It's one of those deals, it's like two, it sort of forms like a a tent shape, like there are two boards on either side leaning against each other, and there's like a little triangle of wood in the back sort of bolstering the whole thing up. Okay, I think I've got a picture of this. You get the idea? Okay, so... On the flat sides that you can see easily if he's driving past you, he has painted in large block letters the single word, Trump. (laughs) And on the back, (laughs) in the little triangle bit, it just says, honk for Trump. Now, I want to remind you, this is downtown, like a half a mile away from the convention center, uh, rush hour traffic, and right next to Public Square, which right now is being completely renovated. So there's huge, like, detours and construction and everything. You right. might assume that at some point, someone coincidentally would have honked their horn just as, you know, someone cut them off. They're, Wait, because you honk you know, naturally. There are horns being honked downtown at 5 o'clock p.m. in any city. Right. An organic honk. Somehow... It was this beautiful moment of perfect silence as this guy was driving through trying to get someone to honk their horn for Donald Trump. And I almost have to think that people were about to honk at the car that had just cut them off. And then they saw the sign and they said, no, not today. Not today. (laughs) Today. Oh, dude. I I am pretty convinced... Because I was actually talking to one of uh, Mom and Dad's European friends, and they were like, so what's up with Donald Trump? Like, is he actually running for president? And I was like, no, 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 no. Donald Trump is not actually running for president. Donald Trump makes money by being a troll. Donald Trump is just trolling America. And like, no, don't don't worry about it. Donald Trump is not actually going to be the president of the United States. Right. This is just something that he does every four years as a diversion, I guess. Dude, I have I have no idea. Anyway, um, so that that is our second star. <laughs> just this one beautiful moment. <laughs> and okay, Dave. So back to Sweden. What is our third star of the week? Uh, okay, so our third star of the week, Matt, is food. Uh, I like food, as I may have mentioned at some point in the past. I believe it's come up. Right. So Swedish food. So we, like I said, we were mostly in Sweden. We went to like Denmark for a little bit. Handful of weird things about Swedish food. First of all, they eat fish, like, they just eat staggering quantities of fish. They eat fish like Americans eat, I don't know, what's the thing Americans eat a ton of? Ketchup? They eat fish like Americans eat ketchup. (laughs) That's actually almost true, because they use, like, shrimp cocktail, not shrimp cocktail, like, uh, shrimp salad, like, little tiny baby shrimps and mayonnaise. 
they just use that stuff like a condiment. Huh. Yeah, you're like, I'd like a sandwich, and they're like, okay, cool. It's like a ham sandwich with like lettuce and tomato and some shrimp salad. Just like on just on it. Because we just got some extra shrimp salad sitting around. Right. No, like there's no such thing as extra shrimp salad because you can never have enough, apparently. They just, like, they just, yeah. So shrimp is a condiment, first of all, in Sweden. Uh, Second of all, I wanted to get some Swedish meatballs because, like, you know, you're in Sweden, right? Oh, sure. (laughs) Mom and dad were just like, okay, well, we'll just go to Ikea. And I said, well, you know, isn't there like a... You know, I don't want to just go to Ikea and get the Ikea Swedish meatballs. Like, I've had those in the States. And they said, yeah, but nobody in Sweden actually... Like, everybody just gets them from Ikea. <laughs> like, apparently, like, nobody in Sweden actually makes Swedish meatballs. Everybody just gets them frozen from the store. Really? So that was a disappointment. Okay. Uh, let's see. The Swedish eat staggering quantities of candy. I may have mentioned this before, just because, like, mom and dad brought it up. But there is, like, in every grocery store that we went into, there's, like, a wall, like, an aisle. Like, a whole aisle that is just bins of candy. And it's specifically gummy candies, right? Uh, a lot of it is gummy candies, but not all of it. But there is a lot of gummy candies. But, like, Swedes just go nuts for candy. They also go nuts for licorice. Like... Because, like, licorice root just grows wild in Sweden, and so they've just kind of been eating it forever, right? Okay. And so they super dig it, which is great, because I also super dig licorice, which I know a lot of people don't, but, like, I love black licorice. The only problem is, is they only do salt licorice. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I kind of like licorice. I do not hold truck with salt licorice. Okay, if you've if you've never heard of this, by the way, salt licorice is exactly what it sounds like. It's just liquor, like black licorice, and it's sweet. Like there's sugar in it, but there's also salt, like staggering quantities of salt. Yeah, like like way more salt than you would think. Like, like as though they had like a big pile of regular licorice, and they had to try to preserve it through the long like voyage to the new world. And so they Dude, just that, packed it in salt and they, right next to that the cod. That might be why. I, I honestly don't know. But the problem is, is I'm like, oh, yeah. They, do they have, like, licorice ice cream? All sorts of licorice. Like, it's great. And then they're just like, yeah, but it's all got salt on it. So that was... Salt licorice ice cream? Yeah. That's horrifying. Which is actually... It's actually a lot better than it sounds. It would have to be. <laughs> um... Okay, so the last thing that I will... So, fish fish all the time. Like, fish for every meal. We went to uh, one... We went to have dinner with some friends of mom and dad uh, who were lovely people, and they hosted us, which was very nice of them. And uh, the dinner that we had with them had three... Three kinds of fish? Three kinds of fish. Like, there was pickled herring, and then warm-smoked cod, I think... And then cold smoked salmon. Like one meal, three different fish dishes. These people love fish. So my wife, Beth, who loves fish, was freaking out. Uh, I <laughs> was trying to be like as polite as possible. <laughs> to be like, I don't like I don't like fish. I'm really sorry. Can I possibly uh, have some more nice licorice? I did yeah, I did have some more licorice. There was like potatoes and stuff. Swedes also love potatoes. Okay, so here's the last weird thing. Actually, two more things. First of all, the Swedes have like an afternoon tea slash elevensies meal. Okay. 
Like there's regular, like you know, there's the regular three meals: breakfast, lunch, dinner. But the Swedes also have a meal called fika. Okay, and fika it can be had either at like eleven or at like two or three. You can kind of have it whenever you want. Okay, but it's just like an afternoon. It's just like a tea. You know, like there's maybe little sandwiches or cookies and some coffee or whatever. I don't, we need this in America. Like, I need, like, I want that. Well, Dave, in America, we have fourth meal. (laughs) We do have fourth meal. Okay, Matt, the only problem with fourth meal is that you can only get it at one restaurant, and you can only eat it at, like, two in the morning. I don't see any real problems with that, but go on. (laughs) Well, I just, I want it to be more flexible. So I want to live in a world where there's, like, a fourth tiny meal kind of, you know, spread in between my other meals. Last thing about Swedish food, and then I'll stop, is that Swedes love sandwiches. Uh, the smorgasbord is Swedish, like the big sandwich thing. Yeah. yeah. Smorgasbord just means like, I think it might mean butterboard or breadboard, I forget. But it's like definitely the smorgasbord in its original inception is like a sandwich buffet, basically. Right on. Which is cool. But they don't know how to build a sandwich because all sandwiches in Sweden are open faced. Well, like they just that's don't not a sandwich the, then. Right. But I mean, they call it a sandwich, but they don't put the top slice of bread on ever. Like, it's just not a thing. Do they, do they fold the bottom slice up like a sandwich taco? Nope. No, they just walk around and like eat it, you know, open faced. But you watch them try to eat it. And they're like, they have to grip it in like a weird way because they're trying to like keep everything on the bread that they don't want it to kind of like fall and go everywhere. There's a very simple solution (laughs) to this problem, Sweden. And I'm looking, I was like, guys, there's a super easy way to solve this problem. Like, you clearly have a problem. The method that you do, like, you make it work because you have to, but it's obviously not optimal. Just get a second piece of bread. And I was at I was at Fika with some friends of mom and dad's, and I just I grabbed a second piece of bread and made a sandwich, and they all looked at me like, "What's up with this guy having a second piece of bread?" And then I was just eating my sandwich, and I was like, "Guys, I don't. I tried. Like I tried to do this open face thing. I don't know how you do it. Just get a second piece of bread." And then they all laughed, but in their hearts, I think they knew that I was right. We can only hope, Dave. We can only hope that the fire of a second piece of bread spreads throughout Sweden and illuminates their world. Okay, Matt, what, Swedish weird sandwiches aside, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star is something that I have been meaning to buy for probably eight, nine months now. If you recall, uh, sometime last year, uh, I had as a star on this very program uh, that I had bought a new mattress. I had bought it from the internet, it arrived in a box in my house, and it has been uh, keeping me comfortable uh, all these many months later. But the one thing that I didn't do then is previously I had had a twin bed, um, and I decided to not do that anymore because I'm an adult. And so I got a queen-size mattress, but I didn't have a bed to put it on. And so I have just been rocking like the super bachelor look of having my mattress sitting on the floor in the middle of my bedroom. Right, yeah, that's like the most bachelory, yeah. And uh, at first, it was sort of temporary, and then it just sort of became a thing, and I never got around <laughs> to fixing it. But now, 
I have finally gotten, like, a platform bed to put this thing on. And Dave, I cannot tell you how much it has changed my entire game. Because for the last, like, nine months, I thought, man, it is really hard to get out of bed in the morning. Is it because this mattress is so comfortable? And that's part of it. The other part is that, like, rolling out of bed is a lot different than having to, like, haul yourself up from lying down on the floor. And in the morning, since I don't wake up too quickly anyway, having to do that extra little bit just made everything miserable. And now, like, my (laughs) whole game done changed, Dave. Dude, Matt, yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Listen, we've discussed this before. We've talked about rubber overshoes. We've talked about shoehorns. Just those things are so good. Like, there's a reason we invented those things. Matt, I'm glad that I'm so delighted that you have that you have a bet again. I also bought a shredder. I'm you know I'm up in the whole game this year, Dave. Uh, wow. Okay. What, what do you have stuff that you need to shred? Eh, just mail. You know. Okay. Oh, okay. Here's what I That's do. Fair. I get the mail. I open the mail. The mail that I need to deal with, like bills and such, I deal with. The rest of the mail that is junk mail, I throw away. And then there's the third category of mail, which is stuff like credit card applications that I didn't ask for. That I don't just want to throw away, but I also don't want to do anything with. And those sit in a slowly growing pile that I say, eventually, I will deal with this. And if I had a fire, I would just throw them in there, but I don't. And so now, I'm finally going to get rid of this huge pile of paper that has been building pretty much since I moved into this apartment. (laughs) You've been there for a while, man. Hey, I mean, I've I've had a couple of cullings, (laughs) but... It's going to be okay. nice. Anyway, so no, that, that sounds is, like a good idea. I should do that, that is my fourth star of the week, Dave. What is our fifth and final star? Okay. I'll try to make this quick because we're running a little long, but this is seriously cool. So we saw a lot of rad museums in Europe, all right? That's a good place for museums. I can attest to it that. It is. It is. Uh, so first that we saw Elsinore Castle, which if you are a shakespeare sort of nerd, uh, you know is the setting of Hamlet. Prince of Denmark. It's in Denmark. It's like outside of Copenhagen. The castle is there. Like, we're pretty sure that it's the castle that Shakespeare had, like, heard of that he set the play in. Honestly, that was sort of boring because it was just a castle. Like, they didn't stage it at all. (laughs) Okay. They were like, Like, well, here it is. Yeah, they're just like, this is the Grand Hall where banquets would have been held. Probably. It's just, yeah, but just like a big empty room. I was beautiful, but as a castle, wasn't too interesting. So, but there were two things that we saw that were crazy cool. The first thing was called Fotoviken, which is just, uh, it translates to Viking Fort, and it's sort of like Plymouth Plantation, but for Vikings. So just like a living history, like come yeah. out and hang out in Viking Town? Right. It's just like, it's like a Viking village, and they just built it. Like, they built it using period tools, which they had also built, and, like, all sorts of crazy stuff. It was super neat. The only downside of Photobeacon was is that it was, uh, it's, like, staffed by volunteers, right? Okay, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, that was totally fine. It was staffed by volunteers because they were, you know, they were, like, doing the stuff, and it was really neat. But there weren't a ton of people there because... We, like, went in the middle of the week. I think had we gone on, like, a Saturday or something, there would have been a lot more people there. But you would, like, walk into a hut, 
and there would be a guy like doing some leather tanning and then he would like turn and look at you because like you were clearly there and then he would just look at you for a second and then he would go back to working on his leather tanning. <laughs> and there was no... Like, there was no sort of moment of, welcome, this is how right. you tan leather. Yeah, there was no move to, like, explain how he was doing what he was doing or, like, what was the point of it or, I mean, you know, like, anything. He was just like, well, I'm here tanning leather. You can watch if you want. That seems like a really weird thing to volunteer for. Like, okay, this place is staffed entirely by, by volunteers. What do you do? Well, it's a living history place, so people come in and they see how things were done. So do you talk to them? No, we never talk to them. Like, all I do, my volunteer job is on the side, I put on old clothes, and I am a tanner. <laughs> um, so they did have, Matt, uh, they had a, like, a, a ting hall. They had, like, a meeting hall, right? Okay. And this was super cool. Hung in the meeting hall were shields... Because apparently Photovicons have been around, like, forever. Like, it's been around, not ever, obviously, but, like, it's been around for a really long time. Uh-huh. And is one of the sort of earliest Viking living museums, right? So, I didn't totally get if this was true from the translation, but it seems as though Photovican is the sort of, like, gold standard of Viking recreation history museums, right? Nice. And so, I think this is the case from the translation. Obviously, I don't actually speak Swedish. Uh, and but that like other museums of this sort have like come to Photoviken and like sworn to uphold like the laws of Photoviken. That like this is how you do this thing. Okay. And they bring and they bring a shield, and they leave the shield there. Like, to be hung in the meeting hall. So, like, they have sworn museum of fealty to Photovican? Right, they've sworn museum of fealty to Photovican. <laughs> and there's, like, 50 shields. And there actually is a group... I looked it up. There are... I knew about it already, rather. There is a group in northern Ohio. It's called Neovic, and they do this sort of thing. And so I looked to see if their, like, wolf heraldry was there on a shield, but it wasn't. So I think I gotta talk to our buddy Josh... And let him know, like, hey, dude, this is a thing. Like, you guys got to get yourselves to Photo Beacon and leave your shield. You got to get your stuff so right. So right. (laughs) Okay. So the last thing, Matt, uh, I'll be as quick as I can. There's a museum in Denmark. All right. It's like 20 minutes outside of Copenhagen. It's called the Freelands Museum. It's like 100 years old. And it was started by this dude, and he wanted to, like, preserve the architectural history of Denmark, right? Okay. So here's what he did, is he got, like, a bunch of land. It's got, like, 150 acres or something. And he just went around. Like, he got the okay from the government. And he went around and found historical buildings that were still in, like, good shape, bought them from whoever was living there, had them disassembled brick by brick, and then brought to this new place and reassembled. Okay. Okay. And so, and then they're like furnished and all sorts of stuff. They've got like livestock. And so you, it's like a, like I said, it's huge. And you can just walk from, and it starts in like, 
the buildings go back to like 1630, 1640 or something. And so you just start at one end of this museum. It's like an open air museum. You start at one end of it in like 1640. And then by the time you get to the other end of it, you're in like 1950. And you've just seen 300 years of like highly preserved Danish like houses and farms and like manor houses and stores and workshops. Dude, it was amazing. Like it was, it was. It was maybe the coolest thing we saw when we were there. Like, I'm a big museum nerd anyways, but this was totally rad. Like, there was a house from up in, like, way north of Denmark where they didn't have thatch. Like, they couldn't grow thatch reeds. Uh-huh. And so they roofed their house with seaweed. Really? Like, well, this is what we got. Yeah. So it's like, it was like three feet thick, just like feet of seaweed piled up on this house to insulate it. There's all sorts of amazing stuff. Uh, I could talk about it for ages. I probably shouldn't because... We are here to talk about Die Ranger, yes, so. which I'm also super looking forward to. So yeah, if you're in Denmark, check this thing out. It was totally rad. Okay, so speaking of Die Ranger, it is time to watch Die Ranger. Um, finally, <laughs> at long last, we're watching episode 48. The title is a spoiler, I'll tell you later. Uh, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 48, title to be announced later. And, uh, Dave, actually, why don't we skip our regular bit where you give us a recap? Because I was just going to say, there's kind of no way to do it without killing the episode. Yeah. Because so, this is just an episode of, like, reveals and consequences. Yeah. So let's just, let's just get into it. So if you remember from last episode, it ended with the Dire Rangers, who did not have the ability to uh, aura change... Right. Just fighting in their human forms against Zydos, who had come to destroy the antenna that are powering uh, Doshikaku, who is currently right. about to go into a duel with Lieutenant Colonel Shadam to determine who is going to be the next emperor of the Goma. Okay? Have I yes. left anything out? Nope. I think okay. you're good. So the stage is set. Right. So the episode opens up. We got the Dai Rangers up on the roof defending Doshikaku's, I think it's the Kirioku antenna, but I'm not sure. But like one of the antennas, right? Right. Zydos is there. He is trying to destroy the antenna. And basically the Rangers are just getting like ruined. Uh, they have, I like they're doing their best, obviously. They are superheroes. They are standing firm. Uh, Rio is like, every time he gets knocked down, he sort of like struggles. Oh, he's way back up. But, you know, they just, Zydos is like a Goma commander. He's like launching fireballs and they're like trying to punch him. Like it's very one-sided. Right. And what he says is the struggle is useless. The match has already started. So like the the duel is just about to start and uh, this is going to happen. They should just give up now. Yeah, so it jumps away from there, and we go to the quarry, which is where the match between Kaku and Shadam is set up. Heads up, there's only two locations for this episode. Quarry, rooftop. That's it. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) we spent the whole episode just jumping back and forth between those two spots. So we cut to the quarry, and we're seeing the people sort of gather around for the fight. Then we cut to inside the Goma Palace. Which is, okay, 
I was sort of wrong, actually, because we do see like 30 seconds inside the Goma Palace, but it's hovering above the quarry. So in like a... It's it's quarry adjacent. It's quarry adjacent. <laughs> so quarry we go inside the Goma Palace, and there's a guy who is sort of rolling around, and we've seen this guy before. He has always seemed like some sort of Goma functionary. I looked yeah. it up in between episodes. Apparently, he's a general. Okay, that's Which weird, you would but think whatever. would be a lot more of like a big deal, considering that Shadam is just a <laughs> lieutenant colonel. <laughs> right. But uh, you would think maybe he'd be a little bit more involved. But anyway, whatever. so the general walks into the Goma the Fifteenth's throne room. He has his right. mask on. He's ready to like approach him properly. But inside, Shadam is already there, and he's standing right next to Goma the Fifteenth. Right. So we don't know, like, we don't know what's up, actually, but we get, like, a quick shot of a hand, I think is what it is, and it looks all, like, withered and weird and gross. Yeah, it's going with the 15th's hand, and it looks off somehow. It's a little dark yeah. in there, we can't quite see it. But then Shotham turns, he sees, what is it you said, the Shogun, the general, uh, right? General. Yeah. So he see he turns, he sees the general, says he says something, like you've seen me or something like that, and then just like kills him. Like stabs him in the face. Well, he doesn't stab him in the face. He cuts him in the face. But he def he kills this dude. Oh yeah, straight up murders the dude. Because because the guy had seen Goma the fifteenth's hand. We yeah. don't know why it's significant yet, but right. trust me. But we will eventually know why this is significant. Yeah, I'm assuming this has something to do with like whatever leverage Shadam has on Goma the Fifteenth, but I right. and so he sure. can't let that secret get out, and so he cuts the dude in the face. Like the mask gets cut in half and falls off. The right. general stumbles out of the throne room and collapses into the arms of Kaku, who is walking by. Shotham runs out and says, oh, I had to kill that guy because he, like, betrayed or he attacked Gomer the 15th. Which is very flimsy, but they're already yeah. in the middle of something, and I guess they don't have time to try Shotham. In any way, he's about to get into a deadly fight, so I right. guess maybe they just figure, eh, well, either he's about to die or he's too strong for us to do anything about this anyway. So, <laughs> so Kaku is like, ah, I don't quite buy that. He kind of, like, he goes down to sort of, like, help try and help the general up. The general's like, no, 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 I didn't. Shotham did something. Like, he has done something to Goma the 15th. But then, Goma the 15th just rolls out of his throne room, I guess, on, like, a palanquin, and seems totally fine. Yeah, both his hands are totally normal. So, Kaku, like, he knows something is up, but he doesn't know what. And frankly, neither do we. So... We get back down to the quarry. The Kotopotoros yeah. are playing like, you know, the trumpets of the sort that you would see in a Robin Hood movie when the, like, archery contest is about to start. Yeah, okay. There's some weird architectural stuff going on here. Because they have set up in the quarry, I don't know why, but they've set up, like, Grecian pillars. Just... <laughs> Around. You gotta get those columns in, Dave. Yeah. That, I was like, I was frankly, I was expecting that. Anytime there's Goma, there's Greek style pillars for some reason. And sometimes there's an Easter Island statue for no reason. Sometimes there's an Easter Island statue also for no reason. But 
I swear to you that there is a bust of, like, Sir Isaac Newton on one of those columns. Dude, <laughs> it is entirely possible. Like, you see a column, and I'm, and there's, like, a, there's something on top of it, and it seriously looks like a dude in, like, uh, and, like, in a long, it's not Elizabethan, but I can't remember the time period, but, like, those curly European wigs that were, like, super popular I'm pretty sure it's just like Isaac Newton on top of one of these columns. I have no idea why. Maybe they're subtly suggesting that Sir Isaac Newton was a Goma. I buy it. So, they bring Goma the 15th in on like this palanquin. And he stands up on the palanquin. And then it cuts away. And then it cuts back. And you see him settling on top of one of these pillars. I assume they cut away just because they didn't want to show this dude having to try and move in this cumbersome costume so he's there there's like a bunch of other goma dignitaries i guess and they're they're all all talking about like oh who do you think is gonna win my money is on the chief of staff blah 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 yeah so like they're there for the show so kaku and shadam both walk out from behind pillars i don't know why they were there but whatever Listen, it's a very pillar-centric ceremony, Dave. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Goma the 15th, he looks at both of them, holds up a pinwheel, holds up a pinwheel, and, like, throws it in the middle of them. He throws it says, like he is Tuxedo Mask throwing a rose. Like, he throws it, and it sticks in the ground in between them. Yeah. He says, like, I hope both of you do your best. And then he blows and then from, like, 30 feet away manages to, like, spin the pinwheel. A gong rings. And I guess that's the signal to get this party started. So the duel Mm -mm -mm now begins. mm -mm 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 -mm. Yeah. Dave, what are you doing over there? Uh, I was... Humming jock jams. Were you getting the party started? I was getting, uh, I don't actually remember. I was getting ready for this. Ah. I was making sure that y'all were ready for this. Well, I I I appreciate your concern, Dave. (laughs) You don't want to go into these things unready. Preparation (laughs) is key, Matt. Okay. 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 So, anyway, the duel is starting, and then we cut away from the duel back to the rooftops. Zynos is still in the process of making the Dire Rangers blow up. Yeah. So this is actually a pretty cool moment, though. So, like, they manage again for, like, the 30th time to, like, (laughs) struggle their way to their feet. Zynos is, he does some sort of, like, preparatory thing and then launches, like, a bolt of energy at them. Well, specifically what he says is he... He gathers sort of like the karaoke bomber. It's just like this big energy ball. And he's about to oh, huck it yeah. at them. And he says, move out of the way or you're going to die. That's I don't right. know why he's so concerned about this. But I, you know, he's just saying, listen, now I'm not just hitting you anymore. It is the time that I'm throwing the big energy ball. This is it. This is your last Game chance. Over. Yeah. So the ranger, well, Rio says, guys, like, get up. Use your power, I think. But then they all, they do a move that looks like they're about to tension, but they don't. But they do manage to, like, summon up enough Kiryoku that they create, like, an energy shield 
around the antenna, which is pretty rad because oh, I think this is awesome. the first time. Yeah. We haven't seen them do anything like this absent their aura changers. We haven't even seen this move while they've been changed. Like gathering their chi to create a force field is it's it's a very cool move. Yeah. It looks uh, really nothing neat. that we've okay. seen before. So they do manage, and so it's like you see there's like a golden energy shield in front of them, and like this ball of like Yorioku is trying to like force its way in. Uh, yeah, it's a neat moment. So we cut back to the duel, and Kaku is having a very strong showing. Yeah, man. He is, like, it's not even a contest. Like, Kaku is seriously, he's just, he's taking shot him to town. Like, he's taking him to town, and in that town there's a school, and he's also taking him there. Right. <laughs> to town, and then to school, and then maybe downtown to Chinatown? Possibly. I don't know. Anyway, actually, he kind of does take him to Chinatown because they, they're fighting with swords, by the way. Sorry. Shadam and Kaku both have swords. But Kaku manages to disarm Shadam and take his sword, right? So now Kaku has both swords and he puts them like, he does that move where he's got just like two swords right to, the, to the, either side of Shadam's neck. Yeah, and, and he moves just it, like, you know, there. it's coming in as though he's about to just chop the dude's head off with two swords at the same time, which would have been a good call for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, turns out that he decides been a really good not idea. to. I don't know why, but what he does do is he, like, Sparta kicks Shotham in the chest, Shotham goes flying, lands at, like, top of a hill, I think, and kind of rolls his way down into the quarry. While he's kind of trying to get back up, Kaku drops both swords, kicks them away, and then does, like, the opening move of, like, a kung fu. He, like, goes into, like, a, a kung fu stance. Right. It, he indicates via his motions that now we are done with the sword fighting par- portion of this, and now, now we are it going is. into the fist fight. Right. Shadam says... Yeah, Shadam <laughs> decided that instead it is time for the fireball portion of the match. <laughs> right. Shadam's just like, that mistake will cost you your life or something like that. He's like, I can't... I don't know why you just did that. I was really stupid. Fireballs. Okay. I think Kaku... Does Kaku block it? Or does he... I think he gets hit, but manages to kind of like get himself back up. Right. Yeah, and when Kaku gets up, he decides that now, okay, it is game time. The antennas are now coming into play, and so he summons the power from his Kiryoku antenna and his Yoriyoku antenna. They supercharge him, and he throws this giant energy blast that again just knocks Shadam halfway up a mountain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Shadam gets super pissed because he realizes that Zydos has not been able to destroy those antennas yet. <laughs> right. He's like yelling at Zydos from across the city. He's like, Zydos, I t- oh, you had one, you had one stupid job. Okay. Zydos is also furious because he has been trying to get his way through this. Kiryoku force field and has been unable to do it and is just getting super, super frustrated, which I guess makes sense. Like, if you are a Goma commander and you are fighting five dudes who you thought did not have superpowers and now you actually have to try to do something. Yeah, I like, can that, imagine that's that a bad afternoon for Zydos. <laughs> right. It's going to get worse. But, 
So he does, but now he gets through. Like his energy bolt manages to break the Rangers, like, you know, energy shield. They go flying and he does destroy the antenna. All right. So that's the, I think it's the Yoriyoku antenna is now destroyed. Okay, got it. So we jump back to the quarry. Kaku's energy, like, he goes to do, like, that, like, grabby rope move, like, the grabby energy rope move that the Goma sometimes do, and it kind of gets, like, halfway out to Shadam, and then it kind of retreats back to Kaku. Clearly, he just doesn't quite have the juice to pull this move off. Shadam realizes this, that, like, oh, okay, now the antenna's down. So Shadam scrambles for his sword, and he starts going to town on Kaku. Yeah, uh, it is definitely, <laughs> like, I did not realize quite perhaps how much these antenna were bolstering Kaku, or maybe quite how strong Shadam was in comparison to Kaku, but obviously, in the absence of these antenna, Shadam is the superior fighter. Yeah, I think it's partially that, and probably also partially that Kaku's uh, morale has been dinged, knowing that the Rangers are having trouble somewhere. Yeah, that's a good point. So, okay, this is this is totally rad. So we jump back to the roof, right? Yes. Zydos is attacking, now with the antenna down, Zydos is just taking the opportunity to attack the Rangers. They are barely holding on. They all go down after, like, they all get hit, and they all drop, right? Right. So they're on the ground, and then it cuts away a little bit, and we see Ryo's slash Jin's golden coin hit the ground. And then it pans from the coin to Ryo, and he's like, oh, man. He sort of, like, has a moment of remembrance, like, about Jin. We cut over to Shoji. No, we cut over to Daigo. And he sees his peacock feather is on the ground. Shoji has, he like pulls out his friendship flag from the three uh, stooges. Kazu. Rin has, well, yeah. just a second. I'm doing this out of order briefly. Rin has Ko's mom's ring, which again makes sense. And then Kazu, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Kazu just has Cameo. Like, Cameo, the little <laughs> right. turtle, has during this whole fight just been sitting in Kazu's jacket pocket. Right. But, okay, all the other people just have things, like remembrances of friends or allies. And Kazu just has a sentient being that he is, like, carrying around with him. Yeah, he is just carrying in his pocket a tiny turtle who is a dude who is a giant 6,000-year-old robot turtle. Right. So, so they then they all sort of look up, and they see... I, I think it's just supposed to be in their head, but they all see, like, phantom images of their cheerleaders. And then it goes one by one. And Jin is like, Ryo, you can do it. And Cameo is like, Kazu-san, you're the best. And yeah, it and goes in sequence. I have sort of a weird relationship with you. What? It, it sort of goes in sequence from there. We don't need to yeah. like say each and every one. Except that Rin has the vision of Ko's mom. And Ko's mom does not say anything. She just sort of like <laughs> looks just... at her fondly and nods. And then Rin is like, yes. I don't think she, she says she anything either. I think they both just sort of nod at each other. Like, well, I guess they didn't bother writing anything for us. 
Okay, so they stand up. Rio says, like, hang in there. We can't afford to lose, all right? And then they sort of do, like, a... They do a move, basically. It's like a pose. Yeah. So this is rad. So energy, like, shoots out of them. We cut away. We see a quick shot of the Goma Palace. Their color-coded energy, like, streaks into the palace onto, like, a... Uh, the altar that we saw at the beginning of last episode, it hits their aura changers and then retreats, bringing the aura changers and Tenpo Rai Rai jewels with them. So then we cut back to the roof and the rangers have their stuff again. They just believed in themselves so hard that now they can be superheroes again. Yes. It still never explains why Doshikaku took them in the first place. Unless this is the only thing I can think of is that like he needed them to like do like go through this experience of not having their changers. And now that they've like done it and, and managed to like reacquire them by believing in themselves hard enough. Like now they're really like they could. I don't know, man. Really Honestly, I rangers. think that Kaku just screwed up. I think that he went all in on his plan of dueling, shot him to death, and taking over the Goma, and like needed things to be a certain way for that to work, and did not rely on the Rangers, and just sort of made a mistake. Like huh? okay. at, at this point in the show, that's the only thing I can think of. That would also. I mean, that also works. But anyways, so they get their stuff, and they tension da. And now they're fighting Zydos. Well, like, okay, Rangers they're about to fight Zydos. They transform, and Ryu says, okay, now it's payback time. <laughs> and just before they start <laughs> fighting, uh, oh, yeah. Ko runs up. He's like, hey, I'm here to fight as well. And he also has, he has Bianca Shinken, and he also has his aura changer, which if you remember, Doshukaku had also taken. There is zero explanation as to how he has it back. Yeah, I mean, I guess it got transferred back to him when the Rangers got their stuff, but Ko was not sitting there, like, really believing in himself. I was going to say, there was He was, was no just probably, like, sitting energy. around at Rin's apartment, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, here's my stuff. Right, and manages to make it to wherever they are in, like, five seconds. But whatever. So he's like, I'm here too. So he does, he keep a change. So they aura change, he keep a changes. Before they even start fighting, Zydos is like, Oh, screw this. Pulls out an enlarging bomb. <laughs> the writers felt like this maybe was a great time for a little like weird slapstick. Okay, so I don't know if we've ever, or if it's been a while since we've described what the enlarging bomb looks like. The enlarging bomb is like a, like a silverish metallic globe that has a smaller silverish metallic globe on one side. And they pull yes. the small one off, and that's sort of like pulling the pin off of the grenade. Then they throw the large one down, that explodes, and they grow. Right. What Zydos does is, like, he pulls out the enlarging bomb, pulls the pin, and then throws the pin down, immediately realizes it. It's like, wait, not that one, this one. And then he throws the enlarging bomb. It's, it's such like a bizarre non-joke 
I almost don't even know why they throw it in. I don't know. It doesn't match anything else. I kind of love it because it's this weird moment of humor in an otherwise very serious episode. So, so anyways, so then he, you know, expands or enlarges, I guess. They do the, the Rangers do the Kaiden summon. The Kaiden beasts show up. They, you know, Dyrano and Kibadayo are, and they start fighting giant Zydos. So they're fighting giant Zydos for a minute. And then Zydos looks down and sees that Gara is on the other rooftop near the uh, Kiryoku antenna Kiryoku and says, antenna. Hey, Gara, yeah. blow that thing up for me. I'm busy. Right. Gara's like, Oh, yeah, totes. And she blows it up. No problem. Yeah, and the Rangers are like, oh no, we maybe should have had one of us guarding that thing instead of both of our giant robots fighting Zydos. But it's too late now. So we jump back to the quarry, and Shotham is wrecking Kaku. Uh, you know, he's like, there's a lot of like cool sword work going on. He's just like stabbing him and like knocking him around with Yoriyoku. Kaku goes down. Like, he hits the ground like a sack of potatoes. And Shadam is gloating. He's like, aha, now I have won this fight. Right. Now it's over. Now, Matt, we get to the single greatest moment in this episode. Oh, absolutely. We <laughs> cut back to the giant <laughs> robot fight, and Zydos decides that now, 48 episodes he... in, it is time to reveal his great secret. Okay. So, this whole time, by the way, guys, like we said... The, the Gobi Commandos were like weird S&M gear. So Zydos has on like a cowl, like, like over a his leather like skull cap cowl with like eye holes, but then like his mouth, it actually looks like a superhero costume, right? So. <laughs> and at, at no point do you think, I wonder what's under that hood. Because what's under that hood is just the dude's head. Except right. that in this case, that is not what is under the hood. That is not the case. So this is Zydos' great secret. He pulls off his cowl, and he has volcanoes on his head. His head is volcanoes. And so like, they, and like it cuts back, and they're just like sparklers shooting out of these <laughs> volcanoes that are on Zydos' head. He There's shouts, like one on either side, and one coming out the back. Heads up, at no point in this show did we have any reason to believe that Zydos' head was shaped anything other than normal. Because under the cowl, it's just a dude's head. But he pulls it off, volcanoes. And it's like, it, it just sparklers. They didn't even do like a, they, like they, a magma-y yeah. goop squirting out. Well, I think that would have been worse, because what he says next is uh, feel my raging eruption. So, the sparklers <laughs> are better. sparklers were the way to go. We, we don't want any uh, any lava going on there. But... Okay. <laughs> okay. So... I'm trying to keep this uh, family friendly, but you know what <laughs> so, I mean, man. So, he shoots sparklers at the rangers. This is sufficient... To uh, to knock them out. They're like, oh no! Lava, I guess? They kind of fall back. Daimugan, well, Cameo, is like, the rangers need my help. So you see a little turtle crawl over to the crystal, which I guess he also got back, 
And then he turns into Daimugan, and Daimugan's like, guys, I'm here to help. Jump on me. And so they all form the giant flying chariot thing. Right. And then they do the only move that that giant chariot ever does, which is giant crushing death. Listen, if you've got that move, I don't know why you would bother with another one. Yeah, that's a good point. So, (laughs) Rangers unleash giant crushing death on Zydos. Okay, and now things get weird. Yes. And they get weird in a way that I want to tell you about, Dave, but we have two more episodes, and that would be spoiling things. So, why don't you tell me what happens next? So, here's the deal. So... We, we're back on a human scale, right? Right. And we see Zydos, and he is, like, just down on the ground. And the rangers run over, and they are out They're out of their Kaiden beasts, and they are also un-aura change. And they see Zydos. Zydos looks down, and his foot is like a brick or something. And he's like, wait, what's going on? Why Why is this happening? And then the brick sort of crumbles, and then we cut away, and we see him standing, and like a bunch of rocks fall out of his pant leg, okay? So clearly Zydos is turning to stone. It's like, it's not stone quite. It's more like dirt, sand, mud. Yeah, except it's definitely just rocks that fall out of his pant leg. So he, like, hits his knees, and he's kind of, like, freaking out. Like, his hands turn to dirt and fall apart. Yeah. And then it starts, like, flashing back and forth between Zydos and, like, this statue in a Zydos shape. And he's saying, like, what is happening to my face? What's happening to my body? Someone help me. Yeah. He's, (laughs) He's, like, and then he just turns into rocks. And he does yell something about, like, what about my promotion, which seems... Listen, Zydos like he, is very interested in his career. Yeah. We, we can all like learn something from priority, him. priority, Zydos, but okay. And then he just turns into stone, dirt, whatever, and then he just falls apart. And, and that's Zydos it for Zydos. Dead. Like, that's it. Dude just turns into dirt, and then he crumbles. Turns into dirt, gets real freaked out about it, and then crumbles. Right. Gara sees this, is also super freaked out, understandably so. But the fact that... I don't know... Okay, here's what I can't figure out. I don't know if she's freaked out because Zydos is dead, and that's just how Goma die, or if she's freaked out because Zydos just turned into stone, and what the heck. We'll figure it out later, I'm sure. Okay. So. We will. I Man, I want to talk about this, but we uh, we will talk about it in we'll the to, next we'll couple of episodes. We gotta get to it later. We'll get to it later. Okay. So, Diamugan says, hey guys, there's a secret tunnel under the base. You can use it to get to Kaku. Which, it, I feel like Cameo should have told them about that before well, yeah. if he just happened to know it. Right, because they don't explain how he knows it, so I guess we could just assume that he did. Maybe literally any time before now would have been a good time to mention that cameo. But whatever. We jump back to the quarry. It's Shadam versus Kaku. Shadam has the sword. 
and he just stabs Kaku. Yeah. Oh, by the like, way, like in the chest. Uh, do you want? Should I tell you the name of the episode now? Oh yeah. So the name of the episode is just. It's magnificent. Master dies. Right. So they just tell you in the very big in the title of the episode that Kaku is dying. Yeah. So and then he this dies. is it, guys. Like Kaku yeah, just got like, stabbed, and the fight is over. Yeah. So we jump down to. Wait, I'm not going to go on yet. So Doshikaku just died. They just killed the dude. Yeah, I mean, he gets like a death scene in a minute as he's fading away. But yeah, dude, right. it's near the end of the show. And like, they just killed the dude with a sword. Like, that is the master. He, you know, it's like stabbing Zordon at the end of season one. But they don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> because maybe, I don't know, dude. It seems a little intense for a kid show. But. Actually, I think eventually so, they do, like, have to sacrifice Zordon so his goodness powers can save the world or something, but... Dude, who knows? Um, I don't. But it is not being stabbed bloody with yeah. a sword. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we jump down. We, they're in the tunnel, which apparently has a bottom. We've never seen, like, the floor of this tunnel, but I guess... Yeah, because they're just been. rolling down through there on their motorcycles. Right. And they're all, like, you know, they're yelling, like, Doshi, Kaku, you know, like, Master. And then Rin says, Uncle. And then she continues to refer to him as Uncle. Is Rin Doshi's niece? Okay, I was looking this up after we watched the episode and before we started recording. Um, From what I can tell, it's never actually laid out whether or not he is a blood relative or it's just sort of like a familial... Like, nicety. Oh, okay. You know, like, you know, he is sort of known to her family. Her grandfather knew the dude. So maybe it's just like, you know, we call him an uncle, but he's not actually an uncle. Got but it, I was got it, completely it. thrown by that. Because maybe it happened in the first one or two episodes. But it hasn't happened since. Yeah. Okay, so either way. But she does continue to refer to him as uncle. So they show up at the quarry. And they kind of look up. And they say, like, they see the Goma Palace for the first time, and they're like, "Holy crap, that thing is huge!" Yeah, they are. They freak out when they see that thing. It's like that is big. That is too big. I do not know how to deal with how big that thing is. <laughs> so they see, they see Kaku, and like they run over, and Kaku is like, if he's not dead, like he's fading pretty quickly. And the Rangers are like, obvious, obviously, they're like, they're also freaking out. Kazu says, "Doshu." We didn't consider your feelings. I don't know how that particularly is relevant. Well, I think it's relevant because when in the previous couple of episodes, he kept telling them like, no, disband, stay away. I've got a thing. Don't mess with my thing. Now, he did a very bad job of communicating his feelings and his wishes. I was going to say, had had they respected his feelings on the matter, it would have gone even worse. So, okay, whatever. Anyway, so they sort of gather around him, and they, they're all apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry. If we hadn't lost to Zydos, you would have had the power you needed to beat Shaddam. And he says, no, I'm sorry, because now that I've lost, everything is on your shoulders. Right. Like, you guys are it now, because Shaddam is totally going to try and conquer Earth. Like, you got in. And then he says, there are still unanswered questions about Goma the 15th. Which is true. Which is totally true. I'd, like, I don't understand why he feels like he should tell them that. 
Well, it's okay. It's going to be relevant. Okay. So this, okay. So clearly he knows something that he is trying. Okay. That makes sense. So he's, I know what the problem is and I know that he suspects what the problem is. Gotcha. Okay. And then they all sort of like, they lean in and they all hold his hands together. And he says something about like, oh, these are your hands. And then he dies. And that's it. And and Kaku is now dead. Heroic. The master dies. Heroic. And that's it. Uh... And it's pretty much the end of the episode. Like, there's another minute or so of them like crying and screaming and stomping around and emoting. And we get another moment of Shadam wandering around the Goma Palace laughing to himself. But that's pretty much the end of the episode and the end of Kaku. Yeah. Okay. Cold, man. Uh, okay. So, Dave, that's it for the episode. Uh, so that's, what? That's it. What was your high point, buddy? Uh, I gotta go with Volcano Head. Dude, it's Volcano Head all the way. It was amazing. And it came uh, totally out of left like, field. It is, yeah, it's out of nowhere. It could have been like literally, <laughs> it could have been literally anything. Uh... Volcano head. I don't even... There are no words. Yeah, like, the stuff with Zydos in this episode is so weird, because... It's just so weird. Like, the whole episode is just based around, okay, there was a duel, Shadam and Kaku fight, Shadam wins, Kaku loses. That's pretty much the story of this episode, right? Which is why I didn't want to do a recap in the beginning, because that's really all we could have said. Yeah. But the Rangers then have to deal with, like... Zydos just being a weird beard. Like, he's throwing down the wrong part of the grenade. He's got a volcano head. He turns into dirt. Like, that whole part of this episode is crazy. Dude, it's crackers from top to bottom. Um, How about you, Okay, so what about your... uh, Well, what's your low point first? Okay, a low point? You know, I was going to say Kaku dying, but it's actually kind of this intense, like, dramatic moment. Um, my low point, I think I'm going to go with Volcano Head, actually. Really? It's just so weird. Like, it makes no sense. <laughs> like, they could have done any number of other things that would have been, like, the ma- they would have made sense for Zydos or the Ga- Goma or something. Volcano Head. It's my high and low point. And that, Matt, I think is the joy of Ghost Hands and High Nature. How about you, man? High point? Uh, I think my high point, then, is going to be the cheap force field that they throw up. Dude, that thing was rad. That is a very cool moment. Like, that whole bit from the chief force field to the summoning of their aura changers and such, it's a very cool payoff for the scene we got last episode where they did the roll call yes. without being able to change. It's a really neat, you, you know, sort of mirror of that yeah. scene. I would love, like, I am not a dude who does, like, video editing or whatever, but I think it would be really cool to take these couple of episodes and kind of cut them all in. You know what I'm saying? And so just watch it as one have, big thing. Right, so there were no breaks, and it wasn't, like, cutting between episodes. Because the the coolness of that moment where, like, they change, like, you know, they do the aura change, but they don't actually, they hold up, they fight, they do the Kiryoku shield, and then they get their changes back, and then they do aura change. Like, it's a really great sequence of stuff. Like, it's really rad. It really is. Honestly, there's part of me that wants to suggest that 
because this was episode 48. So we have two more episodes after this, which is crazy that we're almost done. Yeah. Part of me wants to suggest, and I'm not going to commit to it now. Uh, we can talk mm-hmm. about this off air. Do you want to do the next two episodes as like one big two-parter? Ooh, I kind of do. Okay, we'll, we'll listeners, check back next week. If it's an extra long episode, then that's what happened. Um, we'll see. <laughs> okay. And okay, so yeah, that was my high point. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, low point? My low point is the title of this episode. Like, yeah, I know no, we've talked terrible. about it before, but the fact that the title of this episode completely undercuts the drama of what is going to happen in the duel, it's just a real bummer. Like, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. They could have done a number of different things. It would have been way better. They, they could have called it almost anything. They could have called it Zydos's Great Secret, Volcanoes. Right. Duel to the enemy, that one also would have been a pretty terrible spoiler, but but yeah, so so that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or talk to us on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, and I hope that if you're still listening by episode 48, you like the show, uh, <laughs> please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show, especially since we're getting near the end of the series. Um, it's a good time. If we Jump want, on. Be able yeah, to, watch if the we whole want thing. to be a little more Listen visible for season two to pop in, then uh, yeah. what we're going to need is for people to help sort of push the show. So if you can do that, if you can help us out, that would be great. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Bye.